Creativity is an extension of the human experience. This wild, boundless seascape has been our anchor for our friendship and our sanity. This podcast is an exploration between close friends of storytelling and artistic expression. Hey, it's me, Pixie. How are you? Here I am, recording on my own for the first time. The caves of our brains are portals, spiraling in and out. Reality is a complicated idea to me, living near and around other humans, and also animals. I suppose we are all creatures, really. I've found that we are many walking galaxies with inner worlds that certainly reference each other, but are uniquely their own. Today I'm going to talk to you about my own galaxy and how it affects my version of reality. I have OCD, and I think also some variation of a sensory processing sensitivity. I want to explore and share with you how this brain condition has shaped my life and artwork. And so I will share stories with you, and maybe you will find yourself in here too. Please do note, I am not a medical professional, and everything I speak about here is my own personal experience. I am not offering advice or counsel, and should you need those things, please seek your own medical professionals out. Each of our journeys are our own, and I simply offer my own here as a kind of short story. So here we go. What's the weather like in Pittsburgh, Rito asked me a few weeks ago. I was driving. It's really still cold out, I said. Talking about weather for us is so otherworldly, since we live on opposite sides of the world. Ruto is heading into autumn, and here on the East Coast, soon it will be spring. I get nervous when summer starts to get closer, I said. I'm not sure why. Really? Ruto said. Summer makes you nervous? Why? It was a really great question, and we left it hanging for a while. It was one of those things that I knew the answer to, but in a nonverbal way. And this is why I love curiosity. These questions always get me thinking about the things I do or believe or feel. I always want to understand more. I ended up considering her question and sending her a recorded message later. Here's the gist of what I said. Summer is the expectation that I will be in chaos, a roller coaster of choices that may lead to stickiness, disorder, and discomfort. The discomfort of bugs infecting me with a deadly disease. That seems extreme, doesn't it? The discomfort of active team sports that will terrify me. The discomfort of wet clothes, mud, rotting trash, bad smells, humidity, like a vice around my body, and a reminder of dirt and grime that creates this endless pit of anxiety in my stomach. Humidity always makes me clean aggressively. I vacuum a lot when it's humid. When I was a kid, I got convinced I had a skin-eating parasite. 
I was convinced because I saw a news story on TV about one. That's all it took for me to make up a whole story. I also had a breakdown at an overnight camp because I thought I was going blind. I remember sitting on my camp counselor's lap, her lifting gently a daddy long legs off of me in the flickering cabin light, listening to how scared I was, this me, this strange kid, that I wouldn't be able to see. And now that I remember, the trigger for me at that moment was someone had sprayed bug spray and it got in my eyes. I distinctly remember how not only scary it was that the bug spray had gotten in my eyes, but how the smell bothered me. How scared I was of disorder. I realized a long time ago that my processing of the world was fairly different than many other people around me. And it's been a journey to understand and live with this processing. The thing is, after hearing this little window into my world, you would assume I don't like adventure or wildness or forests or weather. But I do. I do so much it hurts. And I definitely participate. The truth is complicated. So what is OCD? I feel like I want to define it for myself first. It's important to find my own language for the things I experience in an intimate way. And I would never tell anyone to do anything with their personal experiences of the world. But I think it's important to do it. I think it's important to find your own language for the things you experience in an intimate way. OCD is when my brain turns on me. It tortures me with things I don't want to think about. It makes up stories in my head. It makes me doubt my every move, thought, motion, and activity. It hijacks the way my synapses communicate, and it feels like my brain is glitched on a repeat loop over and over and over again. It feels like a technical error. The phrase, it's not me, it's OCD, and anyone listening who has this knows this phrase. It has actually saved my life, as funny as it sounds. Because understanding that it is a technical error, like on a computer, has allowed me to view this experience and sensation as simply something that needs to be rebooted, which I have learned to do. To me, the brain is like a computer, and I am not my brain. It processes things in a strange way. That interface is unique, and I've had to adapt. In the show notes, I'm going to include articles about this disorder and a link to an image that kind of changed my life. It's a very simple image. Two brain scans. I'm not a scientist, and I don't know in depth the scientific terminology. But as a visual learner and an artist, this image was all I needed to understand. I'll try and describe it to you. On the left is a brain with normal control, and there are a few sections of the brain that are lit up in yellow. On the right is an obsessive-compulsive brain. In the front 
is bright red, surrounded by yellow, and in the corners, lit up like the sun. The obsessive-compulsive brain is bright. The normal control is chill. I remember seeing this image, and it was on the back of a book that I read that really changed my life, and I actually can't remember the name of it, but it was great. And I remember saying, that's what it feels like. My brain is on fire. And from then on, I started being able to take control. Somehow, that was all I needed. Let me give you an official definition. And I have to be careful when I look these things up because looking up OCD can trigger it. (laughs) But I've gotten pretty good at dealing with that. Obsessive compulsive disorder is a mental health disorder that affects people of all ages and walks of life. And it occurs when a person gets caught in a cycle of obsessions and compulsions. Obsessions are unwanted, intrusive thoughts, images, or urges that trigger intensely distressing feelings. And their behaviors an individual engages in to try and get rid of them. There are many different versions of this. There's definitely one stereotype that people think of. It's about checking the lights or checking the stove. And I do those things. But it's more than that. And it's different for everyone. But a few of them are things around obsessions, around contamination, religion, perfectionism, death, responsibility, and they're all obsessions. I think it's important to remember that each person who has one of these disorders is never going to fit the DSM-5. Um... The DSM-5 is a book that's used to diagnose um, and classify disorders. And I think that word, that term is thrown around a lot. It's, um, I'll link to it, the American Psychiatric Association. And it's helpful because it gives words to something that can be hard to describe. But what ends up happening is if you define yourself by someone else's definition of a disorder, what do you do when you can't find yourself in there, but it's still in that world? You need to kind of find your own language around it because it's going to be strictly your disorder and no one else's. I don't think I've ever met anyone who matched my OCD exactly. And I don't know if you ever will. You reference each other, but it's all wrapped up in your own psyche. So that's OCD. Welcome, OCD, to the podcast. And we're going to learn about Pixie's OCD. (laughs) Let's also talk about SPD, which is a more recently, um, for me, uh, discovered disorder that I didn't quite understand. And SPD is a sensory processing disorder or sensitivity. This is something recent that I thought maybe was part of me as well. Um, It's a personality trait that describes how sensitive someone is to physical sensations or emotional input. Those high in the trait are known as highly sensitive people, HSPs. And for some reason that made me laugh because, I don't know, I'm an HSP. (laughs) I think it's funny. 
Um, so they say they think it's a genetic disorder. Um, it can also be from early childhood trauma. And it can manifest in, as a child and continue into adulthood. And so here are some of the things that can happen or you can feel when you have a sensory processing disorder. You might feel overwhelmed by overstimulation from bright lights. Coarse fabrics might really irritate you. Strong odors might really bother you. Wearing shoes, tags on clothes, textured food. When I was reading this, I tried to find myself in there. There was one quote that said, they could feel attacked by the feelings they have due to the sensory overload. And that's how I feel. I think I've always felt attacked by any kind of sensory interface. And when I say interface, I think I mean my experiences with feelings, textures, smells, people, um, emotions, moods. I'm hypersensitive to those things. Very, very hypersensitive. A slight shift in my body, a sharp pain, a ringing in my ears, any little change. I will be on high alert. High levels of panic and stress. Even when nothing is wrong. So do I have SPD? I think I'm in there. I think it's mixed with OCD. I've recently also learned about neurodivergence. And apparently these things fall under that umbrella. And I can't speak intelligently about neurodivergence here. But a lot of the people I love do fall under that category. And so I guess I'm neurodivergent. I guess I process the world in a way that is different. When I say different, the way I describe it is I just felt like it was harder for me to have fun. When I was a kid, everything was complicated. Even when I was having fun, I was coping with discomfort. The discomfort of my shoes on my feet, the discomfort of a smell, the discomfort of something someone said that made me feel some kind of way. Um, and I still love experiencing. I think, though, I don't want it to go away. So OCD and my sensory overload, they're a part of my language. I see it in my art in a deep appreciation for details and things that are not always noticed or perceived. I think my OCD is in some ways beautiful because it allows me to see the word in hyper detail. It helps me fixate and obsess, which is what I do as an artist. My flannel canvases are a manifestation of that noticing. They're soft. The texture comforts me. And I wouldn't notice it comforted me if I didn't notice how certain textures don't to an extreme. The patterns I create on my canvases are consistent. 
but they're chaotic inside. They are designs in orbs that are not perfect. They are contained chaos, and they allow me to control. When I am in control of it, and I have worked very hard to learn how to control it, the best parts of my OCD and my sensory overload make me highly efficient, attentive to details and moments and relationships. I pay attention, aggressively so. I work really fast, and I process really fast. And I'm grateful for that. I love that energy in my brain. However, sometimes it makes me fixate so much, I miss the big picture, and I lose perspective. This applies to art, clothing I wear, interactions with people, everything. It takes away pleasure sometimes because it traps me in loops. Making decisions, moving through the world, it can be hard. It's a balance, but it's also something I never chose to medicate away because I've learned how to cope. I embrace my version of it, I think, because of the reasons I've stated, because of how aware I am of how it seems to work in me. I can manage. I've thought a lot about my sensory overload in the recent months and how I think the OCD really contributes to it because I notice and feel and perceive everything to an intense degree. I think the two are related. When I look at why I think this has manifested in such a way, I think some of it is just the way I'm wired. But some of it is trauma. And some of it, a lot of it, is about control. Because for so long in many aspects of my life, I never felt like I had that. I think my brain has overcompensated, and it always wants to try and control. And that's a really intense combination when your brain is already wired to not want disorder. I was never able to really cope with mind-altering substances when I was younger and in college because I actually feel like my brain is already altered. I see the world in such a weird way and I mean the word weird in a good way, like in a unique way. Like everything is amazing and wondrous and also terrifying and intense. And as long as I can keep grounded in what I've learned, it's kind of an exciting and beautiful way to be here. A few words about my journey to learning about this and being able to be in what I call remission. I spent a lot of time in therapy learning about rewiring the way I think and making new pathways in my brain. It was very hard. I had to start believing things could be okay, and some of that was from my past. I had to start looking at my thoughts and changing their trajectory changing their weight, changing their meaning, and viewing my brain again as more of a computer that was stuck in a glitch, like a key on a keyboard that had juice in it. (laughs) 
I had to change my perspective. For some people, this doesn't work. Or maybe it just takes time. But somehow I started really deeply understanding. And the compulsions and the obsessions started to fade. They're not gone. They're a part of the fabric of who I am. But I know them. And they're pushed aside. And for the most part, they live in a quiet place. And I know what they are. And I allow the energies of this, quote, disorder to be there in my processes of art and loving my life and appreciating beauty. But sometimes I get relapses, and those are scary. Those are scary because I get used to not having them hanging over me all the time. And when they return, you feel the difference. But it is even more proof of that glitch, that it's just a glitch. And sometimes that synapse or that glitch turns on and I have to wait for it to calm down. It's fascinating and beautiful and I'm so endlessly grateful that I've been able to approach it in this way. I feel compelled to speak a little on medication. These days we have so many medications and I am highly supportive of anything that works. And it's a commitment. And it comes with its own weights. And I think it's important to find a path that works right for your body. And there's no right way. Just as I have said with, you know, these disorders manifest in unique ways with each person. So the solutions are different for each person. Coping skills are a thing that I have in my toolkit. And they are necessary for living with this. I also feel like it's important that for a long time, disorders like this were not understood in the world. It wasn't that long ago that people I know that have this were completely isolated and misunderstood and made to feel like they were crazy. I have strong feelings about mental health and how we view it and how we treat people. I think there are so many people who have sensory overwhelm and different ways they view the world and different ways their emotions fluctuate up and down. And there needs to be more space for us to function, more patience, more support, and more research. I certainly think it's getting better, but I don't think we have enough support. That all being said, I was lucky and privileged to have the support I did, and here are my coping skills. (laughs) Therapy. For a long time, I had that, and it helped me a lot. I learned about the brain and how it works, diagrams and charts and books. It showed me energetically what was happening. I find websites made specifically for people with what I have. And on bad days, I'll reread the symptoms and say, oh yeah, that's all it is. It's not me. I have supportive friends, but it can be hard. Because sometimes my perceptions, which I try to keep under wraps, 
come out and they're weird. (laughs) It's important for people who love me to want to know. And I've been lucky I've had that. And I can share with them what's going on and they can give me feedback. Channeling it into art and creativity, I think, is a huge part of how I cope every day and keep it in the back burner and not in my the forefront of my vision. Reminding myself um, the way my brain is wired is not who I am. It's a lens, not an identity. Seeing it as a tool. Being open to other forms of therapy and even medication one day if that was something I wanted. As they come up with new things in their all their research. A lot of times shifting my attention is essential. I'll walk, I'll move, or I'll just watch TV. Having that toolkit is really important because it allows you to feel empowered and not controlled by the way your brain might be. The thing that's important that I always want people to know that was hard to articulate for a long time is I always want to do things and I forced myself to do a lot but inside it's a whirlwind inside it's a battle going for a hike for me inside will automatically generate a checklist of how to keep myself calm and to enjoy it as much as possible I want to be pushed. I want to be brought along. But I also want to be understood. And I want to be seen. I take care of myself very well. But sometimes it gets lonely in there. I don't want to be told I need to be medicated. And a lot of times, loved ones will try and do that to us. It's definitely a great option, but sometimes it's not the right one. I think it's important for those of us who are neurodivergent and view the world through these lenses that we are approached with curiosity and support and that we're always trying to learn about these things so that we can understand each other so that our galaxies can meld more and not feel so separate. And I, for one, just want to be trusted, heard, and approached with genuine curiosity. A final story. When I was small, I couldn't sleep. I was very young. I pressed my parents. Am I really here, I asked? Do I exist? I suppose this falls into an obsessive category, wondering and obsessing about death or even existence. I felt a little like I was outside my body, completely confused as to how I happened to be here in this particular place and in this particular way. And I was only five. It was a scary feeling I remember, but in retrospect, it kind of inspires me. I'm so glad I'm curious. 
and amazed. So curious, it keeps me inspired. (laughs) I'm glad my brain wants to question and dig deep and know. And I'm glad I found ways to understand this galaxy. I have come to know better. Thank you for listening to this little adventure into my world. I hope that if you can relate, that you feel less alone. And then if you can't, that you feel a little more able to understand how to connect with people you love that do. Stay tuned for more surprises on our regular bi-weekly schedule. The music that we use for our podcast, entitled Whimsical Aliens, was written and performed by Alejandro Bernard from Ithaca, New York. The podcast is edited and produced by Bjorn. Thank you so much for your support. Have a wonderful day.